0: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis. With your host, Dave Inman.
1: Welcome to the State of Cannabis, keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us tonight, we have Lawrence Gratian with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Lawrence, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for the invitation, Dave.
1: Absolutely. So, for the listeners that are unfamiliar with NCIA, what does the NCIA
2: do? The National Cannabis Industry Association is a trade association for businesses in the legitimate cannabis business, in legitimate cannabis industry. So effectively, we represent those people that are working in the industry now at a trade level. So we're, we're much the same as the Master Builders Association or the American Medical Association or something like that, but we represent those working in the legitimate cannabis industry.
1: So uh, the uh, the term itself, legitimate cannabis business. What does a typical legitimate cannabis business look like?
2: There are multitudinous different types. The obvious ones are growers, sellers, extractors, dispensaries, delivery people in some states, but it's also marketers, IT people that are setting up the systems that, that run the businesses lawyers, accountants, all sorts of consultants. So there's anybody that comes in touch with the cannabis product or those that are helping the business get there.
1: So there's, a, you know, even though uh, obviously we have a, a federal mandate that cannabis is illegal, we've obviously we found ways to circumvent that and actually add a legitimacy to several. Uh, and for you know, again, some listeners that may or may not know, we have several medical states that have passed. We have Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Alaska, and Washington D.C. that have all, all uh, followed this legitimizing platform, so to speak. And so, what you guys do is you kind of afford a framework. That causes businesses or encourages businesses to adhere to a, a certain standardization, correct?
2: The standardization is something that we're working towards. We're certainly working with a number of organizations to get a standard so that you know that the quality of the product that you're buying is the same, whether you go to one dispensary or, or the next dispensary, that the qualities are standard and high. One of the problems that we have because of the inconsistency between the state and the federal laws is the FDA, for instance, have no rules for product because it is illegal at a federal level. The FDA just wash their hands of it completely. So if we were to let the industry just run on its own, the standard of quality just may not be there. So things like pesticides in product, there is no federally mandated levels of acceptability so that type of standard is what we are doing we're working on it still going to be a little while before it's standardized across the country but yes we're working on bringing in standards that will be available to existing legislators and regulators and as other states come on board to those legislators and regulators that the industry has developed But the association also runs a number of other opportunities. And obviously one of the big things, whether it's us or one of the other organisations in the industry to change legislation, is we are working to change the legislation at a federal level for the businesses. So the two big issues we're working on at the moment, changes of the banking regulations and changes to the IRS tax code 280E, both of which, because of the federal illegality, are really hampering any growth, any development in the, the full legitimization of businesses in the industry.
1: With the 280E, if you could kind of dive into that for us as well. Uh, 280E, my understanding is uh, essentially that if you are a cannabis business or in a legal enterprise, you're, you're not able to claim deductions on your tax return. So, simple cost of doing business, you know, uh, having your utilities on can't be a write off. Car expenses, phone expenses, you know, normal day to day operating things that any other normal business would be able to write off and rightfully so.
2: Absolutely, that's exactly what it is. It, it was bought in 30, 40 years ago to try and hold back the, or trying to to manage the taxation aspect of illegitimate drug trade. So if we think about over the years, there have been people working in the illeg, illegitimate trade but declaring tax, and we're making claims again, standard business claims. What the government has done, or the IRS in this case, have done is any legitimate business expense such as you you described, but also things like staffing. Not only do you pay your staff, but then you can't deduct that as a tax deduction. So in the end result, you're paying somewhere around 70 or 80% tax on whatever income you gain. Uh, So it's making the business pretty tough. Well, and and the business is
1: tough already, you know, so to speak. I mean, the barrier to business is often very difficult and laden with things like raffles in order to acquire a license for either cultivation or, or distribution. And then couple that with not being able to either deduct, you know, what would be a justifiable deduction or even, as you were just mentioning, doing banking. So, I mean, it's it, it's a very big challenge. So tell us what you guys are doing with regards to to the banking system. I, I have seen a couple of different companies that look to me kind of like a stand-in or a go-between between the bank and a, a dispensary, and they act uh, basically as a money handler, basically like la- money laundering, so to speak.
2: Whilst I, whilst I don't like that term, money laundering, yes, it, it is a workaround. Clearly what has happened is the government has said because the money is coming from what is federally an illegal activity it has to be reported as such by the banks so the big banks that would cost them thousands if not millions of dollars across the board to simply accept it into their banking system most banks therefore have chosen not to do that there are a few little local banks but effectively if you're covered by the fdic the the federal deposits insurance commission corporation one of those You really are being watched very closely, and if there is money coming from what is deemed at federal level to be an illegal practice, you can find yourself, the bank itself can find yourself in hot water. That clearly has created a cash economy across the country, which is clearly quite dangerous just by the fact of having so many large wads of cash available for those that may decide to act improperly. But it's also uh, the access to other banking services like credit cards in the stores and even loans. You can't get a loan from a bank to expand your store, to grow your store, to grow any of your business aspects, to purchase product that you can then pay back. So it's making any legitimate business pretty tough. What NCIA are doing is working on the government. And NCIA is the only trade association in this industry with a full-time lobbyist in Washington, D.C. We have two full-time lobbyists working out of the NCIA office, and we also engage consultant lobbyists, obviously one on each side of the house, to ensure that what is happening is happening a little faster than uh, it should be. Fortunately, there's a little bit of traction there, we saw Bernie Sanders put in a piece of legislation late last year and there are and the legislation that is in there the popularity of it amongst congress and senate is actually growing as we know this year not much is happening up in congress at all
1: you know we got to take a quick break i really want to dive more into the lobbying aspect and what you guys are doing folks got to take a quick break state of cannabis dave inman lawrence gration with the national cannabis industry association we'll be right back with you folks Stay tuned
0: for more State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Dr. Dabber, hurry, it's Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
1: Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Radio C-A-N-N-A radio on Twitter.
0: chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman.
1: Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Lawrence Gratian with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Uh, Lawrence, we were just diving into what NCIA does and the lobbying that you guys are putting forth. So tell us the need for having a lobbyist on both sides of the fence. How, How does that benefit the typical cannabis user, consumer, or potential business person?
2: What we're doing with the banking aspect is clearly helping the business. And if the business can then invest its own money back into itself, that will help the consumer and help the industry all over. But the single focus really is getting the legitimacy of the banking so that Businesses can actually borrow money, can invest money, can use credit cards, etc. in the business. To get there, it's currently illegal because of the illegality of the federal legislation, the illegality of cannabis industry at federal level. But more than anything, getting change in Washington, D.C. is just never a fast thing. So we've got to take our time, do it carefully show the people on the hill what the benefits are and why this is a good thing for not only the industry but for America all around. Lobbying is a very expensive business, but it's the only way to get things done. We know that there are other enormous lobbying organisations around that are lobbying for and against other things, and even those that aren't on our side or aren't opposing us that are bigger and spending more money and contacting Congress at a more regular rate, getting our way a little bit in that most Congress people can only deal with one thing at a time. This is not seen as a high priority by many people.
1: But often, uh, you know, when we when we phrase the term lobbyist, some of us will we'll drift back to, you know, like big tobacco, big pharma. Obviously, this is this is for, you know, one of my favorite topics, obviously. But it, it also kind of paraphrases what the path to victory is and, and what our political landscape often looks like. I mean, just because our topic is so different than everybody else's doesn't mean that our path is that much different than everybody else's either.
2: And that is exactly true. And because this is a still a fairly young industry, we don't have the resources, the money, the people up on the hill that someone like Big Farmer or tobacco or alcohol does. One of the things that we do rely on at NCIA is we have a lobby days, as we call it every year, where we ask Business owners in our industry to come to Congress and knock on the doors of congressmen, or congress people, I should say, all over the Hill. So on May 12 and 13, we're going to have a couple of hundred business owners, business workers, people interested in this industry, going on knocking on doors on Capitol Hill, giving forward the notion of why this should be legitimised.
1: So basically, uh, you're going to you're going to send out a, a bunch of canvassers. That are all, um, you know, uh, fairly uh, well-tuned, so to speak, to go uh, knock on, on the doors of the congressmen, the senators, to garner their vote or their, their mind share,
2: at that's the helm. That's exactly it, Dave. And I, I hope we'll see you there because uh, obviously you're one of the leading voices in yeah.
1: this. Well, I do appreciate that. I get all the emails and, and I definitely um I want to encourage as many people to actually look at NCIA just because of what NCIA is doing and the approach that they're taking. Because again, if we really look back at what has made sense and what has made motion happen in cannabis, in the legalization, the regulation, and the changing of the the laws, it's been through our typical modalities that we would do we would go through a typical legislative process you know if we're in florida we're going to try and do a constitutional amendment if we're you know across the mason dixon line we're going to try and do you know a citizens initiative you know there's there's these political processes that we have to do But we also have to have our senators and our congressmen working with and for us as they should be. And the only way they're ever going to do that is if we're in their face. And we have this company, NCIA, that's actually doing it. They're doing it on our behalf, and it needs to be all of us doing it with them. So I encourage everybody to look at NCIA. And Lawrence, if you could give us some some email addresses, or not email addresses, but web addresses where people can look, possibly donate, or get involved with NCIA, that would be amazing.
2: Uh fortunately, it's a really easy one, it is thecannabisindustry.org.
1: Thecannabisindustry.org, and that'll get us to the NCIA where we can, I would assume, donate. We can also sign up for newsletters. We can get involved with the organization and make sure that we keep the forward momentum as fast as possible.
2: Absolutely. And one of the things we haven't touched is the uh, variety of other things that NCIA are doing. We do have an annual conference coming up in June in in Oakland, in California. We have meetings all around the country, which is where I met you a month or two back. We have 12 different locations every quarter, so that uh, we're covering most of the legalized areas. We are doing training. We are doing webinars. There's all sorts of resources available for people that are interested in the business side of the cannabis industry at thecannabisindustry.org.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Looking back over the last you know, 40 years since cannabis was placed in a Schedule 1, I would imagine that you probably haven't been in the uh, industry that entire time. What brought you to cannabis?
2: My background is actually in associations. Um, I started some 40 years ago in the Australian Hotels Association and since then have worked in associations that represent a variety of industries from training and development through to credit unions, disaster recovery, ski instructors was my last one, and now the cannabis industry. So I'm bringing the association professionalism to, to NCIA. I've learned an awful lot about the cannabis industry in that time, but as much as anything it is because it's a legitimate business running in a corporate world, the standards and expectations that I've learned over the years in those variety of industries are very similar. My passion for cannabis is something that's reasonably being living in Colorado, where it is recreationally legal. I'm a firm believer that it is a much better, safer drug than anything else that's around. Being in an environment where alcohol is fairly well, freely shared, it just seems that an illegitimacy to any argument that alcohol should be available and marijuana should not. So I, in my personal drive, it is that the notion of regulating marijuana as alcohol is regulated just seems to make so much sense. So being able to bring my particular expertise to this part of the industry, it was just an opportunity I couldn't pass up.
1: So I take it you were a fan before you had the opportunity.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yes. <laughs> you know, often we, we do see that where, uh, you know, our, our, our worlds collide and we're able to bring about not only our personal expertise, but our, uh, our personal desires. And it's, it's really a beautiful thing that uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to bear witness to, to see so many people like yourself that are out there every day writing history. And, you know, that's a very powerful thing to be able to say. That we are watching and sometimes offering history changes ourselves. It's just a, a, an enormous thing to, to bear witness to, and, and I got to thank you for, for what you're doing, of course, and uh, uh, encourage you to keep doing it, Lawrence. We got to take a, a quick break, folks. Dave Inman, State of Cannabis, Lawrence Gracian with the National Cannabis Industry Association. We'll be right back with you, folks. Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis
0: only on CannabisRadio.com. When we return. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world, world, world. chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman.
1: Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have Lawrence Gratian with the National Cannabis Industry Association. They are out there lobbying on our behalfs. And I encourage all of you guys to go to the cannabis industry association.org and get involved, Uh, toss out your dollars, make sure they're able to lobby on our behalf on this very important topic to all of us, obviously. And get involved, you know, if you have words of wisdom you'd like to impart on your elected officials, this is a wonderful way of doing it, and it's a wonderful organization that can help you get the equipment and the skill set that you would need in order to do so. So Lawrence, let's dive back just a little bit more into that lobby days, because I think that's, it's coming up, it's coming right around the corner, and it's such a powerful thing that I think so many people can get involved in and really make
2: change. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I say, it's May 12 and 13, and if you go to our website, you can sign up for that. A minimal cost just to cover some of the the lower-hanging expenses there, but it's effectively an opportunity for the people that we represent, which are the businesses in the legitimate cannabis industry, to have their say and to show the human face to the industry. There are lots of preconceptions out there of, who our industry is and who their customers are, but it's an opportunity to show that these are just regular everyday people that have started a small business and grown it or a small business and are still a small business, but they're looking for an equal opportunity to be successful in business and gain the banking and taxation rights that they, that they should be having.
1: You know, it's funny, uh, there's so many people out there that will think that because you're a dispense owner, you uh, own a cultivation facility, that you're making money handover fest no matter what. And often this is just not the case. You know, so often business owners in this industry, they're just turning money and just barely making ends meet. You know, when they're actually able to do the, the deductions, when they're actually able to have their cash on hand, make more money, you know, I mean, getting interest from having uh, large amounts of cash in the bank, as opposed to having to pay security to make sure that you're safe, two totally different things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us, Lawrence, the, the future of the NCIA, it's a, a how, how long has the NCIA been around and, and where is it going? What, what's the, the plans for the future?
2: The organization started in 2010, so it's a five-year-old organization. It was started by one man, or actually two guys, that put the plan together. Aaron Smith, the executive director of the organization, has been the driving force behind it from that time. When I said one man before, Aaron's the man that actually knocked on the doors, went round and visited people, supported them while he was trying to get support for his own organization. And it took him two or three years for it to really come off the ground. And then when Colorado went legal a couple of years back, it sort of got a little bit of a groundswell. And it's now actually grown to an organization where it's a thousand members. And when I say uh, members, we are talking a thousand different businesses. So we represent tens of thousands of employees and workers in the industry, but a thousand different businesses. The future is at this stage to continue to work on the hill on the two big issues, which are the banking and the taxation. But obviously what we're always doing is looking at the legalization of cannabis at a national level so that we don't have the silly state laws that we're having at the moment so that interstate commerce can take place. So there's still plenty of work to do even after we achieve the the immediate goals.
1: You know, it's incredible when we really look at the overall degree in which we've changed laws. And yet at the same time, you know, just how many layers of difference there are. I mean, you know, trying to go from one state to the other, sometimes there's reciprocity with what you have. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes you can have concentrate. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you're only allowed to have CBD. Sometimes it's oil only. I mean, it becomes a very, uh, very difficult to navigate uh, environment. So again, having, having organizations like yourself that are more for the association itself, creating standards, not just, you know, Shaping laws, we've got you know MPP and DPA and and uh, you know SSDP and all those types of organizations that are also helping to craft laws. You know ACLU, normal, but you guys, you're you're creating standards. Basically, uh, you know if you were to have a restaurant and uh, you have a food inspector come in and say, nope, you guys need to clean up this restaurant. You don't get to serve any more food whatsoever. You know, having having maybe not to that same degree, but certainly a standard in which everybody should adhere to, you know, a gold stamp on the outside of your window saying that NCIA has come in and said everything is tip top shape for this organization.
2: And that's that's just a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right in the, the variance between states and the expectation of a consumer in a particular state is, is really what we need to standardize so that the products are clean, they're healthy, they're safe. They can be used properly, intelligently. There's a good level of education coming from the, probably the government, but, but also ourselves and the industry to ensure that the products are used sensibly, intelligently, and the way they're intended.
1: Exactly. That way, uh, you know, we don't tell the uh, little old lady who's never tried before, here, eat this 1,000 milligram bar. You'll feel fine because obviously that's not the way to go if you've never tried it before. You know, I want to... Go back in, give you a couple of more plugs. Uh, you know, everybody, the uh, the cannabisindustry.org is where you can find out additional information about the National Cannabis Industry Association. Uh, you can also join and be a member. Tell us tell us about being a member of the NCIA. What, uh, what kind of benefits do you get and what does that entail?
2: The main benefit for a member is sharing the knowledge that you are making a change to the industry. But if you're a little more self-interested, there are discounts at our conferences. You get the opportunity to be a president at our conferences. You get the opportunity to write for our newsletters, our blogs, our Facebook, etc., and get your word out so that if you have a, an industry or, a, or a, a product that you want to get the message out, you can do that. Most of the events that NCIA hold are free to members, charge for non-members, uh, the webinars, are currently free, but they will, now that they're starting to cost us money, we will have to start charging the non-members. One of the new products we're launching at, at the annual conference in Oakland in June is a, a massive analysis of the retail data so that anybody in this business can follow what's selling, what is not selling, how it's selling, where it's selling, when it's selling, those types of things. And for for members at the most high level, that information will be free members at an entry level, most of that will be free. But certainly we'll be able to, to uh, get you all of that information that will help your business run and run smoothly. And there again, also- you can
1: you can find that at the, the cannabisindustry.org.
2: Yes. And also what you will see on our website is massive discounts for any type of business that you need. So if you're looking for a lawyer, you're looking for a consumable, you're looking for a grow, you can get a discount through us. By being a member, which usually will pay off 10 times for what membership costs.
1: Excellent. You know, Lawrence, we're, we're about
2: out of time. I want to thank you for, for coming
1: on the show and telling our listeners about NCIA and what you guys are uh, doing for us and our, on our behalf. And, and again, I'd like to thank all of you for what you're doing and, and keep doing what you're doing. I encourage all of the listeners to get involved. That's the only way they can keep doing this. And of, of course, you know, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the State of Cannabis I'm Dave Inman. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman, and we'll talk with you next time.